I think for Munster, for them, in order to get a performance and a result, they need to concentrate on how well they played over the last eight weeks since that kind of both Six Nations win. The Red 78 with Alan Quinlan and Neil Briggs. Subscribe to the Rugby Channel on the OTB Sports app and turn on your notifications now. The News Round on Off The Ball. With Gillette for an effortless finish to your day. New Gillette Labs Razor with exfoliating bar. This is News Talk. Well, a year ago, Naomi Osaka was at the centre of global media storm. A year on, after her exit from the French Open early doors, she's now saying she may not play Wimbledon. Caitlin Thompson of Racket Magazine is going to talk to us about an interesting 12 months in Naomi Osaka's life. That's this hour. After 8 o'clock, Tommy Welch with us on certainly concerns over Kilkenny heading into a Leinster final on the back of two defeats and... What went wrong in Waterford? The big question in the Championship thus far. Damien Delaney will be with us after nine o'clock. He will be reflecting on the Premier League season that was. He will be talking about the Champions League final that will be this Saturday. So that's on the way between nine and ten. Five three one zero six, the text number. We're at off the ball on Twitter. Carl Milani here for the news round. Carl, hello. Hey, Joe. And Mick McCarthy in studio. Michael, what's happening? How are you, Joe? I'm very well. Uh, Caitlin Thompson with us of Racket mm. Magazine this hour talking about Naomi Osaka, who has put her participation at Wimbledon into doubt. The lack of ranking points, seemingly the big motivation for her, and she enjoys seeing her ranking points go up, and so she may not play. And Well, we thought she's had a pretty interesting year, Naomi Osaka, and Caitlin Thompson going to join us to talk about a complicated character really complicated and really interesting I think consistently interesting and uh, yeah there's so much more to talk about with Naomi Osaka than the thing that's really rankled with me today <laughs> but and we'll get into all of it but I can't get over my head a top uh, I can't get out of my head a top ranked top level sports person making this type of comment that she did yesterday which uh, about ranking points seemingly meaning more than a Wimbledon championship, a major championship. It's not a political statement she's making. She didn't say anything about uh, Russian and Belarusian athletes not being allowed into Wimbledon. It was purely just, look, look, I like my ranking points. <laughs> Hold on a second. Why do you have ranking points? To be at the top rank so you can compete in Grand Slam championships or the biggest tournaments. It's like nobody's going to care that you were world number one. They'll care about how many Wimbledons and French Opens and Australians and so on you have. Just, I actually couldn't believe it. And it, it uh, you know, I think there's a special case in Naomi Osaka, of course, that we'll get into with Caitlin at half seven. But there's also a part of me that thinks, is this modern sport that we're just focusing on the wrong things constantly? And numbers are more important than, you know, it, as I, I, I got 15 assists and, uh, mm. you know, three pre assists and four goals this season. So I was involved in. I've, I've lost my maths there, but what's that? Does that add up to 20? Something like that. You know, I was involved in 20 goals. Um, yeah, so I, I, I'm, I'm reaching here, I think, in terms of a, a link. But that's where, my, that's where my brain immediately went. It was like, oh, the game's gone. I think it's so specific to her. Yeah. Not to say there aren't more, elements, more stat, it, yeah. you know, elements of stats and obsession with stats in the game. But even her rationale, because on the one hand, she said... I would love to go just to get some experience on grass. Her main surface is hard court. That's where she's won her four Grand Slams. She's never been beyond the third round at Wimbledon or the French Open. Mm. And so she said, I'd love to go just to get some experience on the grass. But then in the same breath, she said, I don't want to say it's pointless, no pun intended. Yeah. Got a giggle. But I'm motivated by ranking points going up. And so without ranking points, for me, it's a bit pointless to go there. 
Pointless. Like, Pointless. Wimbledon. I know. Think about it. Also, if, if you want, do you, I want, I'd, I'd love to get some experience in grass. That's yeah. the definition of just doing it for the experience. That's not even about winning. And yet, well, if there's no ranking points, I'm not going to do it. So I think there is a degree as well with Osaka. The press at large are extremely wary of upsetting her. Mm-hmm. Therefore, nobody put up their hand and said, like, contradictory, Naomi. Like, you said you want the experience in grass and it's not about the points. And then literally you said it's about the points. So lifting the trophy, well, it's not that significant to me. I want my ranking points. Mm. Or do you want the experience? Or which is it? <laughs> so I think no, that's a very fair point. Nobody, I think nobody egg did shells that. Egg when it comes yeah. to Osaka, absolutely. And, and maybe I, that's appropriate. Maybe that is appropriate. But it's absolutely a feature which I don't think is there necessarily with lots of other sports people. Do you know one thing? Can I just move off slightly just on yeah. tennis in general? The whole that's not my court, that's my court thing. It's when pe- when you hear that from, now I know she hasn't directly said that, but you know, that that's kind of the sense we're getting. But you've heard it from other players in the past. It really annoys me. That's not my place. That's not my place. You know, you look at Rafa Nadal winning French Opens but like in his sleep in the yeah. early part of his career and worked his ass off to become a Wimbledon player and you remember that like the 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 final that finished in the dead of night against Federer yeah. in five sets you know and then after that like became nearly unbeatable on grass even though it wasn't his surface the top people know how to win on all courts and they like it, they worked their ass off it's not easy for them it's you know it obviously they have natural advantages but uh I feel that's too many tennis players kind of accept, oh, I'm a clay court player, I'm a hardcore player, grass doesn't suit me. Mm. Nonsense. It's all the same sport. Nonsense. It's a very Roy Keane nonsense. <laughs> <laughs> it's all the same sport. Come on. Ball bounces differently. Mm. Adapt your game. It's you like, it's like golfers so. who won't play on links courses or in windy conditions. That's the thing, though. But why? It, it sh- I don't mind that it's a thing in terms of your natural game, yeah. but overcome it. Can't say, oh, I'm out of this tournament now. It's it's on a Lynx course. No point in me going over to the British Open. Oh, you've been a bit harsh. Like Federer won one French Open. Yeah, got to a couple of finals. And it was only because Rafa, and Rafa Nadal, Nadal was at the injured. same time as him. It was only because Nadal was injured he won it. So would you say a Federer if he hadn't won that French Open? Come on. Well, if game. I never felt that he tried to win a French Open, I'd fair probably enough. say that, yeah. yeah fair and enough. he also existed at the time of the greatest clay court player of all time and that we will ever see. Yeah. No, that's fair. Uh, certainly in golf there's the stereotype of the fair weather Americans coming over to the British Open taking one look at the sky and saying what time is my flight home on Friday (laughs) on Friday yeah exactly (laughs) get me out of here this hellhole the food it's disgusting so we should press on and Carl you are starting the news round which is as ever brought to you with Gillette Labs for an effortless finish to your day you are starting with the action on the court Yes, and number two seed Daniel Medvedev is into the second round of the men's singles at the French Open after beating Argentina's Facundo Bagnus in straight sets earlier today. He dropped just six games in what was a comfortable win. Elsewhere, fourth seed Stefano Tsitsipas is due to be in action this evening against Lorenzo Mazzetti of Italy. In the women's singles, meanwhile, uh, third seed Paola Bedosa was a straight sets winner over Fiona Ferro. That game uh, concluded just a short while ago, while Simona Halep is currently in action and she currently has a one set to nil lead in her match uh, this evening against uh, Natasha Schunk of Germany. Meanwhile, speaking after his win earlier today, Medvedev addressed the controversy surrounding Wimbledon this summer. The US Open champion is the biggest name to be excluded from the Grand Slam following the Russian invasion of Ukraine. The removal of points means Medvedev is set to move above Novak Djokovic to the top of the world standings without even playing at the event. And he acknowledged today that it's a strange situation. 
I would be really happy to play Wimbledon. I love Wimbledon. I love playing on grass. Well, I will play on grass after Roland Garros. Uh, but if I cannot, I mean, just going to prepare for next tournaments and, uh, you know, just uh, follow what's happening there. And if there are no points, I become number one. Well, great for me. If, uh, if there are points and I cannot become number one because of it, of course, I'm going to be gutted. But uh, it is what it is. I cannot change uh, some decisions. Uh, Munster. Yeah, Munster injury news today. They've confirmed that back row Jack Daly has suffered a cruciate ligament injury. He suffered the knock in Saturday's defeat to Leinster. He's now set to see a specialist. Meanwhile, Andrew Conway aggravated a knee injury at the Aviva Stadium. He'll be assessed this week. Sean Klein has a neck problem. Alex Kendallin is going, undergoing the return to play protocols. In better news, though, for the province, both Craig Casey and Stephen Archer will return to training this week following their respective illnesses. And Peter O'Mahony, Damien Dialende and Simon Zebo are all set to return to full training this week. Munster play Ulster in the United Rugby Championship quarterfinals on Friday week. Uh, there's boxing ongoing at the moment? Yeah, and Irish interest uh, in Armenia as well at the Men's European Boxing Championships. Luke Maguire through to the last 16. He overcame Polish fighter Daniel uh, Petrovsky earlier today in the light middleweight competition while Bel- Belfast bantamweight Dylan Eagleson is through to the quarterfinals in his section after Maha- beating Mohamed Sal- Sachli of Turkey earlier today. Both of those wins uh, through a unanimous decision. Brandon McCarthy, though, is out. He suffered defeat to Joseph Tires of England. That was in their last 32 light welterweight bout this afternoon. Uh, Tim says Osaka hasn't been past the second week of Wimbledon. Feels like there's more to it than ranking points. Yeah, very possibly. I know Caitlin Thompson with us says there's a degree of eye rolling amongst uh, certain players on the back of Osaka's interview yesterday. Brian says, do you not think Seamus Power was happy to get inside the top 50 to get to the Masters invite? Seems to have gone on from strength to strength from those points. Yeah. Well, yeah, no, absolutely, Brian. But he didn't go to the Masters thinking, think of all the ranking points I'm going to get. I mean, the four majors, the four Grand Slams in tennis are the pinnacle in their own right. You don't go to those for ranking points, I think, is the point. You certainly wouldn't participate at Wimbledon because of the lack of ranking points, I think. I think Brian actually inadvertently made my point better than I did, er, than, than I actually did earlier, which was that the ranking points, the, the reason they're important is to make sure that you're in mm. a good situation, be it a seeding or whatever it is for the big tournaments, you know, which is exactly... Like Seamus Power making the top 50 was actually more about him playing the Masters than it was about him yeah. being in the top 50 players in the world. Yeah. Uh, Kurt Zuma then? Yeah, the West Ham defender Kurt Zuma has pleaded guilty to kicking and slapping his cat. The 27-year-old admitted two offences under the Animal Welfare Act at Thames Magistrate Court earlier today. It comes after footage circulated of Zuma on social media in February of this year. The video was filmed by Zuma's brother Yon, who has admitted to one offence during the hearing, which followed an RSPCA investigation and sentencing has been adjourned until June the 1st. I mean, that was a story that really caught fire, wasn't it? February. Yeah. Month of, I mean, I distinctly remember Graeme Zunas really going to town on Sunday, like saying things like, from what I can see, the cat didn't do anything. <laughs> Sorry, I didn't. Which, you know, it's just, it got to that level. I didn't mean to laugh at that. I remember being like very surprised. Actually, Graeme Soonis was one of the people that came out of that story. Like people were hearing about his uh, veganism yeah, and everything yeah, like that. I don't, think any, I don't think anybody realised at the time, but my God, it was like, actually, I genuinely didn't mean to laugh at that because I don't think it's a funny story at all. No, I, thought, yeah. I thought there was some overreaction in terms of like the abuse he got and, and different things that like people have done things that are deplorable in the past. But like, like yeah. it does feel like a hundred years ago as yeah, well, does, you know. Yeah, yeah. No, it's funny because like the line was just so, um, 
it's just not something you hear Graham Sooner saying ever. The cat did nothing. <laughs> as and far like, as he could see. Yeah, as far as I can see. <laughs> and equally, if the cat had done something, that wouldn't make it okay, you know. <laughs> it's just one of those conversations. Uh, so, well, there's not much we can say about it until um, sentencing. Yeah, when was that? February. February this year. Uh, like, it's been difficult for Zuma. It's properly, um, not that I'm saying I'm overly sympathetic obviously there was always going to be repercussions but I think he's probably found it very very difficult and it's the thing we said it at the time it's the thing that follows him around now for the rest of his career in every stadium there is yeah I think it was amplified so much by Moyes picking him the next week almost as a oh, yeah. you know it, right. was, yeah. it was a real determined kind of I'm not going to be bullied into this and all he needed to do was sit him down I think that story would have went away I think by the time if he played a ma- midweek match yeah. you know a week and a half later I think I just don't think it would have had. The, it got a second life, and that second life, I think, is the one we remember in some ways. Yeah, we should totally chat to Suna some night about his veganism and this awakening he's had with regard to animal rights. Yeah, because one of the most famous pictures I can ever remember of Graham Suna is him in a massive fur coat and an umbrella right. from the nineteen seventies or eighties. Uh, it's a great picture, in fairness, but I, it doesn't seem like he'd be someone that'd be wearing a fur coat these days. No, I mean, major evolution. Very interesting. Um, yeah, three years vegan. And he, he was, I remember there was an interview he did where he talked about just his horror at the way we treat animals. And you see scenes from abattoirs and hmm. different uh, facilities, I suppose, for want of a better word. And it's hard not to have your stomach turned. So, uh, Turn you off your chicken burgers. He would be interesting some night on that, Graham Soonis. Like another complex man, interesting man. So anyway, that's Kurt Zuma. We have Gareth Southgate talking today. Yeah, that's right. West Ham's Jarbone and Leicester fullback James Justin have been called up to England's senior squad for the first time. Tyrone Mings, Luke Shaw and Emile Smith-Rowe are among those to miss out. Liverpool captain Jordan Henderson also not part of the squad. England face Hungary, Germany and Italy next month. But Southgate also addressed today the rise in fan violence in football. The recent pitch invasions have brought the behaviour of fans into question and Southgate believes it's an issue that goes beyond football. There's clearly a responsibility within football because... When it's in our environment, we've got to do all we can to try and make sure it doesn't happen. So I think we all recognise that. But it's a wider problem. You know, it's behaviour and it's a reflection on where we are as a country at the moment. So it's a difficult time for people. I think we're going to have more difficult times because of the economy and the, the realities of the situation we're in. But we have to look at what we're... Um, what we're doing in terms of parenting, in terms of everything, really. What are the expectations? How do we want to be viewed as a country? Because that's manifesting itself in football at the moment, and that's not a good look. Ah. Interesting. And uh, Interesting in, right. in terms of the last couple of weeks, I mean, the pitch invasions and everything like that and the fallout from that, I mean, the next uh, line we have there is that three Dorset police officers were reprimanded and asked to reflect on their actions after taking part in a pitch invasion while off duty. So, I mean, three off duty uh, police officers involved and that was in, uh, when Bournemouth uh, gained promotion back to the Premier League. But, but I mean, is that so bad? It's not, but I think the problem is one incident in one pitch invasion is enough to justify action across all the different pitch invasions that happen I think mm. you know the, yeah. the, one, the, the headbutt on, on Billy Sharp is just crazy stuff and then obviously the, the City one at the weekend as well I think there's room for nuanced punishments though you know I think that fans need to know that there's levels of what you can what's acceptable what, what and what's not you know and I think and there is a there is a punishing the majority for yeah. a, a, a one idiot or two idiots that's like that just has to be done um 
I think a, I think a celebrated ce- celebratory pitch invasion that goes no further than that is one thing. Well, is you know, there, running like yeah. a rhinoceros into the head of Billy Sharp is another thing. Totally, I think that's absolutely right. Yeah. yeah. R- what, R- what's wrong with a joyous? But is there something celebration at it, like yeah. a moment, like promotion? Is there as something a one-off? to Roy Keane's point in that people have forgotten how to behave after COVID, and it's just people aren't in that mindset anymore. I guess. I mean, it's certainly become the party line. Anything now that happens, it's COVID's fault. <laughs> yeah, but I think, I, I and maybe think, there is something in yeah. that. Like there has to be. There probably are repercussions from something so. But well, also, like, I, I guess if they were to consult the players and all of that, they would probably be against pitch invasions as well. Because oh, big just time! It's mobbed. Well, looked at. Not, I mean, yeah. even De Bruyne, who yeah. has been surrounded by his own fans, yeah. was not in a comfortable space. I do appreciate that. Yeah, yeah. three players and uh, two players and the manager assaulted within a week is a disgrace. Like, and it's interesting to say. I find Southgate so interesting. You know. That was that, ballsy enough, the by the way. Of that there. clip, yeah. you kind of think like, oh, it, he's just towing along here, and then he's talking about like in a full societal change and what way we raise people in the country. I find that very interesting that he's taking on that yeah. kind of uh, discussion. Yeah. You know, like I mean, it's easy enough for him as England manager to bat that off, and he's happy to take it on. Ultimately, I don't think there's anything quick fixing. There's no quick yeah. fix in what he's saying there. Whereas, like Pat Nevin last night is talking about more policing, and there'd be you'd be uncomfortable with that. And I got the sense even Pat was uncomfortable with it, but. Something has to give. You can't, like, I mean, three times in a week is a pattern. I suppose. You know? And I suppose, players can't be getting assaulted on the football field by fans. No. I suppose, though, what you would say is, well, this isn't going to be a problem again until 11 months' time. Yeah. No well, one's going to be running onto the pitch in August. Jack Grealish was punched in the back of the head at St. Andrews two or three years ago in the middle of the match, mm. you know? And that was, like, serious. That guy went to jail and came out and, like, you know, again legitimising one idiot by saying what he said but he came out and was like I don't regret anything that was the best day of my life you know this nonsense like you know and it's just I don't know like I mean even jail doesn't seem to be enough to discourage this I'll tell you though uh, point seductions would be because it wouldn't be accepted if you go on like Man City I don't think Man City should be stripped of the title but should they start next year minus three because the Aston Villa goalkeeper was assaulted about 12 times while he was walking off the pitch on Saturday, Sunday, like yeah, maybe I think so. I th- I think that that's a collective the, issue the for argument, Man City fans. The argument then against that though is you get opposition fans putting on Man City jersey, running onto pitch. <laughs> I think that's, I think that's up to the police then to make a make a report to the Premier League or something like that. I think they'll easily find out if that's the case. <laughs> he has a Man United duvet. <laughs> <laughs> this guy with the Liverpool accent is acting uh, and, and uh, tattoos of liver birds on his arm. No, you're right. Acting very very suspicious. You're right. That's probably not a strong enough argument. But it, that's often said when you know flares are thrown onto the pitch from one yeah. end, and yeah. you know can easily be done by opposition fans potentially. Yeah, I don't know. It, it, there's just it's a it, there's a fever about it at the moment, and it's copycat, and it's it's just it's in that the, it's in the ether. True, yeah, we do see that like when racist incidents happen at matches, there tend to be a slew of them, mm. and then for some reason. Mm. That psychologists and sociolo- sociology uh, types could explain. It sociologists. Dies. Yes, it yeah. does. Sociologists, <laughs> it, die, it dies. It seems to die down again. So there, there's something in that. So I, like, I, I, this won't be happening in August through to no. next April. And there is something so... It won't happen again. Like, happen I mean, again. pure about pitch invasions as well and that we've been at matches, I'm sure, where your team wins and you can just race onto the field and embrace the players and embrace fellow supporters and nothing negative needs to happen. I mean, it's a brilliant thing. Yeah. That's there where memories a, there, are created. There was a text last night about pitch invasions and GEA and, and like, I, yeah. Joe, I understand where you took it up as like, you know, we don't need to be kind of 
uh, comparing sports, but let's actually compare like even Ireland and Britain or whatever. It's GA is where you're part of pitch invasions a lot in this country, you know. And I've been part of many of them. The idea of violence or whatever is so far from your mind. Like, I mean, I've never seen it anything like it. Now, you might see it if somebody, you know, like a different type of pitch invasion, like an angry pitch invasion, like in the 2010 Leinster final or something like that. But I mean, in terms of a celebratory one like we've seen this week, it would just never happen. It just never seems like it would be in the air. And not to like not to say this is endemic in English culture or something like that, but it's something that's happening at the moment. It goes back to what Southgate's talking about, you know. It, like, it is what Southgate's talking about. But to be fair, it's also endemic in football culture where the fans are so tribal they can't even be in the same stands. Whereas in GEA, we sit down to somebody from well, we don't even know who we're sitting down next to. We yeah. get there and it's someone from the opposite county. How many times we've been at matches people shake hands with the losing or winning counterpart beside them, best of luck. So there's just such a different atmosphere. Like we're blessed and mm. it'd be a terrible day if we ever Lost that. Yeah. I don't think we ever will. I've Whereas done that handshake, but I won't say what I've said to them in the previous <laughs> 70 minutes. Yeah. Whereas, like, I don't know, any time I've been at a Premier League game, I remember being in Liverpool, Newcastle, there was like an off-the-ball prize in 2014. Mm. Last day of the season, neither side had anything to play for. 13 it must have been. 13, because 14 obviously was the slip. And it was, it was just a bizarre experience in that, like, I was very near the Newcastle fans at Anfield. And I found myself watching them as much as the game at times because it was like all these Geordies standing there, shirts off. It was May, in fairness. And like <laughs> screaming at the nearest people, making, oh, I won't make all the oh, gestures. Yeah. But you can imagine. And like some of them really catch your eye. And they're at it all game. They're not watching the match. And like it's vicious and it's horrible. And you think this is pathetic. Like it's the only way. It's, mm. it, it is pathetic. But then I do remember as they were leaving, like a few of the Geordies who had been most vociferous and most like obscene turned around as they were about to go because they caught the eye there was big lads as well and they gave like a round of applause to Anfield and all the Liberal fans started applauding them back <laughs> as if like <laughs> part of the game a little bit yeah so it's a complicated uh, yeah. ecosystem just don't punch players that part's simple that just yeah. keep that away good rule of thumb good rule we'll argue everything else yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, Spurs are going to give Antonio Conte a bunch of cash. Is that the word? Yeah. Tottenham's owners have invested £150 million into the club as they prepare to back boss Antonio Conte in the transfer market this summer. ENIC have pledged the cash via the issue of uh, convertible shares and accompanying warrants. The additional funds come on the back of Spurs returning to the Champions League after two years away. And some news breaking in the last uh, 20 or 25 minutes or so. The Premier League board has today approved the takeover of Chelsea Football Club by the Ted Bowley Clear Lake Consortium. The purchase remains subject to the uh, British government issuing the required sale licence and the satisfactory completion of the final stages of the transaction. If Spurs give Antonio Conte 100 million to spend, that gets kind of interesting, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah. 100 million. What's that? Two players? Yeah. You know, realistically, yeah. these days, you know, and but they did spend in January as well, like good signings. Mm. And they're starting from fourth, so do two players turn them into. Yeah, if Definite they top hold, four, top four. There's not guarantee. really much talk of Kane now as well. Obviously, yeah. with Haaland um, gone to City, and there's nobody else really for him to go to. So, it looks like Kane's staying. Oh, th- there was an analysis that Newcastle, with the various financial fair play aspects, 
could spend 600 million this summer. <laughs> really? I thought well, they were in some no, uh, FFP trouble, but no, obviously no, that they, doesn't exist no, anymore. I mean, one of the few benefits of Mike Ashley running the thing like a business is that they're in great shape to go big. Yeah, but they did pump in. There was there was definitely a conversation that they pumped in money into the club in January that wasn't necessarily all just transfer money, which left them just in a little bit of trouble. But obviously you're reading a conflicting report completely. So 600 mil. Well, if they had 600 million. Like, <laughs> this is the thing. Tottenham... Man United, Arsenal, all these teams need to be in for everybody and just bump up and just try in some way lessen the impact that Newcastle are going to have by making them spend an extra 50 million on every player that they, that they buy. Mm. It's like it needs to be a collective decision. <laughs> Carl, any last story you want to bring us? Uh, let's bring you news of some golf. Perhaps uh, Bryson DeChambeau has withdrawn from this week's Charles Schwab Challenge on the PGA Tour. The former US Open champion is continuing his recovery from wrist surgery. DeChambeau also pulled out of last week's US PGA Championship at Southern Hills. He's continuing uh, his recovery with that wrist injury. Okay, fellas, thanks very much, Carl. Sure. Cheers. Cheers.